Amen. Thank you, ladies. I think it's good this morning to get a reminder from time to time of just who we're serving and what he's like. Oftentimes when I find myself getting a little bit scared, uh, a little bit doubtful, a little bit uncertain because of all that we're going through right now, it's usually a reflection of the fact that I've been focusing on myself. And when I compare myself to the problems we're going through right now, we have every reason to be afraid. Uh, but we compare our problems to our God, the Almighty, the Infinite, All-Powerful God. All of a sudden, our problems seem smaller, don't they? I think from time to time, listen, you ought to get in the Word of God and just read about who He is and all that He's done. Let that remind you of what He desires to do. Let's jump in the Word if we could this morning. Job chapter number 1. Job chapter number 1, a very familiar book and a very familiar passage we're going to look at today. One I've reached out of many times in my life, and we're going to go back to, um, to verse number one this morning and, and preach out of it. Most of the service, we'll go to one more before we're done. Job chapter number one, if you're there, let's go ahead and stand together, stretch our legs just a little bit in honor of the reading of God's word. Job chapter number one, and let's look down to verse number one, and we're going to read that, and then we're going to pray and let you be seated, and we'll read a couple more later. The Bible says, <clears throat> there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. Let's read it one more time. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was, now watch what the Bible says, perfect and upright, one that feared God and eschewed evil. Let's pray together, and let's ask God to give us what we need, and let's prepare to receive it. Father, I do thank you. Uh, Lord, for your word, and Lord, I thank you for your word, how it contains so many wonderful truths about who you are, and Lord, I pray we'd focus in on that this morning and realize that the things of earth do grow strangely dim, Lord, if we'll just keep our focus on you. Thank you, Lord, for the record of the life of Job, and Lord, thank you for preserving it for us that we could learn and turn to as a resource, Lord, particularly in days like these. I pray, Father, you'd help us to say what you'd have us to the way you'd have us to, I pray we'd receive it, and I pray we'd respond to it during the invitation. And I thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do today in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As I was preparing this message, I, um, <clears throat> I had the burden on our heart, and uh, the hard part is always figuring out how to introduce a message. The Lord gives you the burden, and the Lord will give you the scripture, and then you have to uh, begin preparing it to make sure that you can present it in a way that's understandable, uh, in ways that we'll be able to receive it. <clears throat> and I was thinking about something that struck me several years ago. It's something that crossed my mind as a child, and uh, now that I'm a parent, it's something I thought back on comically, and it's how many of the things that I was either taught by my parents, uh, maybe a school teacher, a Sunday school teacher, even heard behind the pulpit, uh, that after I began to get older, I had to really go and dig for myself and see if those things were actually in the Bible, all right? Not that I thought my parents were lying to me. I didn't think that at all. Uh, but you know, you hear things like cleanliness is next to godliness, and uh, you start thumbing through there, and you're trying to find that so that you can teach it to your kids, and then you realize it's just a really good rule to kind of have, you know? And, uh, you know, early to bed, early to rise, you try to start finding those, and there are those principles in Scripture, but they're not always spelled out just in those exact words. But one in particular that I do remember as a kid that it was repeated often by not only my parents, grandparents, teachers, uh, was the phrase, and we know it's a Scripture, to be sure your sins will find you out. How many of us heard that growing up? Be sure your sins will find you out. Uh, I always used to feel like parents had this connection with God 
that uh, God was kind of like their secret spy, and they had this undercover alliance that even though mom and dad didn't see it, God was going to whisper it to them, you know, that you took an extra cookie, or you didn't brush your teeth, or you weren't asleep when you told them you had gone to bed. And I always thought God was going to rat me out. You know, God's going to tell mom and dad that I was not asleep or something along that line. And uh, now just the jig's up, isn't it? Now the kids realize the parents were using that against them. No, I'm not saying God can't let them know, but that's what I always thought that went down. But I'll tell you, it's a truth. In Numbers chapter 32, the Bible tells us that be sure our sins will find us out. But I want to zoom out a little bit this morning and look at the general principle in that verse, because the truth is simply this this morning. If you give things most time or give things time, most things will eventually prove themselves out. Most things will eventually find themselves out. This is why Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, he says that you shall know them by their fruits. You think about the principle of what he's saying there. He's saying that the way we find out about the tree is we simply watch the fruit. Sooner or later, that tree's fruit is going to give it away. It's going to find out. It's the same way in the lives of people, regardless of what we say. Regardless of what we want others to think, and even regardless of what people may think about us, sooner or later, uh, who we are and what we believe is going to come out in our life. It's going to be found out. Um, the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, none of us can look inside each other's heart. When the Bible tells us not to judge, it's not telling us we can't judge works and we can't judge fruit. It's telling us we can't judge someone's heart. None of us can look inside anyone's heart and decide their motive for why they're doing what they're doing. We don't have that capability. Uh, there's no medical device, as far as I know, uh, that can peer into our heart and see the motivations of our heart. But the Bible says if you watch and you'll listen long enough, uh, you can tell what's, um, what's in someone's heart by what comes out of their mouth. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart. The heart is kind of like a vessel, if you will. And after that vessel fills up, it overflows. And you know where the overflow of the heart is? It's the mouth. Uh, you just listen to people long enough, and you'll tell what's in their heart and what's filled your heart. You know, some of you are probably very excited. College football is back, and I hope your team won yesterday, if your team is one of those that are playing out there. And, man, we're excited about it. We're talking about it. Why? Because that's something we hold near and dear to our heart. Maybe it's a hobby you have. Maybe it's your job. But sooner or later, your mouth is going to give you away. Regardless of how good of an actor or actress you are, sooner or later, your heart is going to be revealed by what your mouth says. It's going to be found out. Now, the Bible tells us in Numbers that be sure our sins will find us out, but the truth of the matter is we will all be found out. What we believe, what we stand upon, what we don't stand upon is going to be found out simply by watching our life, and our life is going to prove that. I'll give you a prime example. After the girls' volleyball game the other night, well, they did such a great job. We, uh, we hung around for a few minutes to play basketball and volleyball, and uh, we hung around a few more minutes, and then a few more minutes, and about two hours after the game was over, all the adults are out there playing. I mean, Brother Nate, Brother Micah's out there, and just having a good old time, Brother AJ's out there playing ball, and uh, I went to my wife a few minutes later, I think it was 9.30, and Brother Jim, I asked my wife, I says, uh, are we having a lock-in that I didn't know about? I mean, everybody's just hanging around, and I thought, you know, I didn't hear anything about a lock-in. Everybody was just enjoying the fellowship, and after a while, uh, I got jealous of Brother Nate having all the fun, so I pulled my coat off, and I went out there in my dress shoes and played basketball with them, and I still got some of it, all right? I can't say I still got it, but I still got some of it, and we just had a good time out there playing, and Brother AJ and I confided in one another yesterday. 
And I guess it's not going to be confiding anymore because I'm just going to say it in front of the whole world. Uh, but yesterday, Brother AJ and I were talking. I said, Brother, I woke up in the fetal position on Saturday morning. You know, I saw those kids out there playing and Brother Nate out there playing. I'm like, I can get out there and play. I still got it just as much as they do. And I got out there and I got it on for a little while. And then Saturday morning, man, it found me out. I wasn't what I thought I was. And uh, I told the earlier service, you know, I always thought Ben Gay was for older people. But uh, I'm starting to think about some of that even today. It's still kind of lingering. But I found out I, not, I was not what I thought I was. I thought I was still 18, and I still feel like I'm 18 up here, and my body keeps saying, no, you're not, no, you're not. And Saturday morning, I was found out by the competition. Just a few weeks ago, I went to my closet. There's a pair of slacks I haven't worn in a while, and it was a pair of slacks that I had bought, and they were a little tight when I bought them, but I said, you know what, They're, they'll be fine. <gasps> we can suck it in, right? We can suck it in two or three sizes. And I said, it's been a while since I've worn them, but I probably still fit in them. So I grabbed them, and I put them on, and I don't know if it's the humidity. I don't know if it's my wife had the dryer on, just extra hot. Uh, but those dudes shrank. I mean, they shrank up a lot. And I'm thinking, good night. And I'm going to tell you how bad it was. I'm so ashamed of this. Guys, I am so ashamed of this. I, I, you know how they have the hasp, the kind of hooks and locks, the little silver hasp with hooks and locks? I just asked too much of it on that day. And that little hasp gave up the ghost. I mean, it gave it a... Now, I'm not joking. I'm not asking my wife. The little hasp is sitting on my nightstand. They just don't make pants like they used to. They're not made in America, I assure you. And uh, I thought I'd fit into them. I thought, you know what? I'm surely I'll fit into it. I'm, I haven't gained that much weight. I'm still as skinny as I was when I moved to Hattiesburg. And let me tell you something. My little hasp, it found me out. It found me out. It proved differently. And how often is that the case for us? How often do we think more of ourselves than we really are and we realize we're not what we thought we were and eventually it comes out and is proven in our life. And let me tell you, look, if you find out you're not the athlete you thought you were, it's okay, all right? It's going to happen to all of us sooner or later. It happened to me earlier than I thought it was going to happen, but I'm not what I thought I'd be. I can, I can live with that. And I'm not what I was, you know, pant sizes about a year ago. And, and that's okay. I can live with that. But there's some things this morning that you've got to understand you can't afford to get wrong. There's some things you've got to be right on. And the thing we're going to look at this morning is one of the most simplest of truths, and that is the matter of our faith. It's the matter of our faith. You cannot underestimate faith right now. You can't get faith wrong. Why? I'll tell you simply. Number one, the Bible tells in Ephesians that for by grace are you saved through faith. You've got to have faith to be saved, all right? You've got to get that part right. You may overestimate yourself in athletics. You may overestimate how much you weigh or how smart you are. But when it comes to the matter of faith, you need to have that down pat. You need to have that nailed down because the Bible says you've got to have faith just to get into heaven to be saved. But then after we get saved, what does the Bible say? Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. All right? Now, if you desire to please God, which I hope every one of us do, if you desire to please God this morning, you've got to have faith. Therefore, you've got to have a real faith, not a fake faith, not an inflated opinion of your faith. You've got to have a real faith in order to please God. But oftentimes, we have a, a hyper-inflated opinion of what our faith is. If our faith was what we talk about, we would be moving mountains. But unfortunately, we can't even move ourselves to the altar at times. Why? Our faith is not what we think it is. 1 John 5, what does the Bible say? The Bible says that faith is the victory that overcomes the world. I don't know about you, but I need victory in this life right now. 
We're going through a difficult time. And boy, it just seems one thing after another, another hurricane waiting offshore. I mean, my goodness, it's adversity after adversity after adversity. But the Bible says that our faith can give us the victory over the world. And so you need to have faith. And I'm talking about a real faith. Not just a faith that's your opinion, but I'm talking about what God calls faith. There's no way you're going to navigate this life without faith. There's no way if you're lost here this morning, you're going to make it to heaven without faith. And we're going to look at Job this morning. I've referenced Job the past few months, really haven't preached out of Job. Job's a prime example of someone who shows us just how far your faith can carry you. Uh, There's no doubt this morning, listen, it was not Job's wealth that got him through because he lost his wealth. It was not Job's popularity or fame, even though he was probably very renowned in his time for all that he had. That's not what got him through because he lost all of that. What was it that got Job through the difficult time he was going through? It was nothing less than the faith that he had in his God. All through the chapters of Job, you will see Job referring to his faith and trust in God. Now, folks, the only way we're going to make it through this morning is through our faith. But here's what we've got to understand. Just as Job, our faith is going to be found out. Just like Job, each and every one of us, our faith is going to be found out. And I'll tell you something. I think probably over the past six or seven months, a lot of our faith has been found out. Because the adversity that we're going through is going to show us our faith. And so this morning, we're going to look at Job's faith. And we're going to see how faith is found out. And we're going to get down to the brass tacks this morning about what real faith is and how we can have it. So let's look at this thought this morning of how faith is found out. Look at verse 1. The Bible says there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. Now I want you to notice something here. This This is the word of God. This is God giving us his testimony of who Job is. Matter of fact, God is giving us a detailed account or a record of Job's faith. God is telling us exactly where Job's faith measured up on the door casing. Have you ever done that? Uh, you know, they tell me that as you get older, you start to shrink down a little bit. So I'm going to start measuring myself again. You know, I stopped doing that when I was 12 or 13, but now I want to keep up, make sure I'm not, you know, shrinking anymore so I can get some of those thicker sold shoes so I still look like the manly man that my wife married 15 years ago. But Job measured up right. God is showing us exactly where he measured up as, and I want you to see something very important. This is what God is saying about Job. This is not what Job is saying about Job. This is not what others are saying about Job. This is what God is saying about Job. So number one this morning, I want you to notice his faith was established by God. His faith was established by God. You say, what do you mean by that? This is not Job saying, I am a man that is upright, fear God, and eschewed evil. That's not what Job's saying. This is not what Job's friends are saying. Boy, Job was somebody who was upright, feared God, and eschewed evil. This is what God is saying about Job. And notice the words. The Bible says, and that man was. God says, this is who he is. Can I tell you something this morning? In the end, Job was who God says he was. Job was exactly who God said he was. Now, why is that important? Because so are we. So are we. You know, all of us this morning, we could ask, you know, how much faith do you think you have? Well, I have a great faith, or I have a, a little bit of faith, or a middle amount of faith. All of us could profess a level of faith this morning. I hope all of us could profess a level of faith this morning. 
But ultimately, can I tell you, the only thing that matters is what God knows about us. Because unfortunately, we have a tendency to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to, don't we? I thought I was more of an athlete than I found out I was Friday night. I thought I was skinnier than I thought I was Saturday morning. We think more highly of ourselves. That's why Romans 12, the Bible says that a man is not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. You see, that's the temptation. You know, you're never going to find in Scripture where he says, beware of being too humble. I've never found a scripture that says beware of being too humble. Why? That's not our natural tendency. Our natural tendency is not humility. Our natural flesh tendency is pride. And our natural tendency is to think that we have a great faith. But can I tell you this morning, the truth is we are who God says we are. God knows every one of us this morning. God could give us a detailed record of our life just as he's saying about Job. God says, let me tell you about him. He's perfect or complete. He's upright. He fears God. And he eschews evil. Now, folks, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm hard to convince. I really am. Some of you ask my wife. I am stubborn. I am hard-headed. I know you would never know that by how spiritual I seem. But believe it or not, I can be hard-headed. And I can be stubborn. And she tries to convince me of something that's like, are they yellow lights or orange lights? You have red and you have green. Oh, my goodness. We go back and forth on this yellow. I'm not going to tell you which one because I don't want to be wrong, okay? But one of them says yellow and one of them says orange. And we'll go back and forth. I'm hard to convince. And unfortunately, sometimes that makes its way into church. God will be trying to tell me who I am, and God will be trying to show me where I measure up in this area of faith. And I'm sitting there, what are you talking about, God? I'm the pastor of Central Baptist Church. Surely my faith is exactly where it needs to be. God says, no, my faith is exactly where I tell you it is. And he's telling Job, he says, look, Job was a man that was perfect, upright, feared God, and eschewed evil. And so regardless of what we say, our faith is found out by what God Says. Let me give you an example. Luke chapter number 7. I read this a few weeks ago on a Sunday morning. Uh, Luke chapter 7, verse 21. The Bible says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now watch close what he says here. Not everyone that what? Saith. Shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Keep reading. Verse number 22. The Bible says, Many will say to me in that day. Notice, here's people saying to God, God, you should let me into heaven because of what I say. He says, many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. But watch verse 23. This is where he brings it home. And then will I profess unto them. He says, you know what? It's not what you say, and it's not what you think. It's about what I say. He says, I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. What is he saying? He says, in the end, you are exactly what I say you are. If the Holy Spirit comes to our heart this morning and convicts us of any sin, guess what? He got the right person. Why? Because God knows who we are. Seven times in the book of Revelation, chapter 2 and chapter 3, you'll hear him saying these words, I know thy works. Listen, God's got us dead to rights this morning. God knows who we are. God knows where we stand. God knows where our faith level is this morning. I hope you have a full measure of faith. But can I tell you something? It's not what you say. It's what God knows. He says, let me tell you, here's a man that was. God didn't say he says he was. He says, here's a man that was. I love watching the Antiques Roadshow. Anybody ever watch that? told the older service this morning at 9 o'clock. That's how I officially know that I am getting old. 
I thought about using Bengay, and I'm watching PBS. That's how I know. I'm officially getting old. Before long, I'll be screaming at kids to get off my lawn, and then the cycle will be complete. I will officially be old. And I love those folks who go to the Antiques Roadshow, but we got some stuff. Me and my wife need to take up there. I, I think we got some million-dollar things in our closet that I've been saving for so long that my wife wants me to put in a garage sale, but I just know that's going to be our retirement one day. And you'll see these people, they'll come up with these these rare, you know, Native American blankets that was passed down through the generations and their grandfather was in the Indian Wars and that blanket fell off Geronimo's horse and they passed it down through the years and the stain on there was part of the blood from the, the battle and it fell down in the dirt and we've been passing down Geronimo's blanket all of these years and they're just waiting to ring the cash register. The guy comes out there, and the expert, he says, well, let me show you what you have here. And you see their face. They're sitting there like, let's hear it. Let's hear it. We're, listen, we're going to France. They've already got the money spent before they even hear the evaluation of what it is. And he says, well, this, this does look like a Native American blanket, but let me show you something. And they flip it over. On the back right corner, there's this small little yellow tag that says, made in China. And they realize all of a sudden it's not what they thought it was. And you can see their face. Oh, they're trying not to act disappointed. I mean, we've all seen that before, right? You've got to go home and watch that, okay? It's a good, clean show. There's where people bring all of their junk in and find out most of it's not worth anything. But all these years, they thought, man, it's Geronimo's blanket. They even let the neighborhood kids just come over and touch it for a quarter per turn, you know? That's Geronimo's blanket. And then finally, someone that's an authority on the matter tells them it's not what you think it is. It's not what you think. As a matter of fact, it's, it's not even worth taking home. You ought to just give it to the goodwill on the way out of here. Just drop it in the box on the way home. Can I tell you, God's the authority on faith. And God's the one who lets us know where we stand. And this morning, our faith is going to be found out eventually when we stand before God. But God loves us enough to let us in on it right now and to show us where we stand. Why? Because, oh, how you're going to hate to stand before an almighty God with your little cheap blanket of faith. And you're thinking, yeah, he's fixing to march me right up there on his right hand. I'm fixing to sit there in a place of authority, and you realize it's not what you thought it was. Folks, can I tell you this morning, we are who God says we are. And those people oftentimes, they'll say, you know what, I'm going to get a second opinion on that. Well, you can go get a second opinion, but the first opinion is the only one that matters. And that's the opinion of God. Matthew 23, in verse 23, Jesus says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites. For you pay tithe of men and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith. He says, you're doing all this other stuff. He says, you're paying tithe of this and tithe of that. He says, but you've omitted the weightier matters. Folks, can I tell you, faith is a weighty matter to God. Faith still matters to God. You know, you can be so busy doing things for God, and yet you can still omit the things that matter to God, and what matters to God is faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Look, you can substitute what you want. You can substitute your opinion. You can substitute a fuzzy feeling you get when you're singing. Listen, I like a good fuzzy feeling as much as the next guy, but in the end, it's not the feelings that matter to God. It's faith, and there's no substitute for faith in the Christian life. There's none. The other night, my daughter wanted to make uh, her dad some brownies, and uh, she's my favorite daughter. 
And uh, we always have boxes of brownies in our house. I mean, we have boxes of brownies in our house. I've really gotten to that caramel one lately, Brother Michael. It's pretty good. You put caramel and kind of, you put the, the design in it. It looks like Food Network. It really does. And uh, so my daughter went to make some, and we were out of oil. You, I don't know if you folks don't like you know how to make brownies. You've got to have oil, all right, to make brownies. And so what do we do? We were out of oil. We just Googled. What do we do? Substitutes for oil. And I forget, what do we use in that? I can't remember. Somebody said applesauce or something like that. And, and they were all right, all right? And she, she agreed with me. They were a little bit cakey. Brownies should not be cakey, all right? You're wrong if you think brownies should be cakey. I'm just putting it out, right? I'm the authority on brownies, all right? Remember? Yeah, I'm the authority on brownies. Brownies should not be cakey. They should be gooey and fudgy on the inside with that little flaky crust on the top. That's what a brownie is supposed to be, all right? And you got to have cold milk to go with it or it's just not good. Anyway, my daughter made those brownies, but she substituted something. I can't remember what it was. We substituted something for the oil. And it just didn't turn out the same. It didn't turn out right. Why? Because there's just no substitute to oil and brownies. I'm just being honest with you. There's no substitute to that. That's why we're all dying here in the South, because we put all that bad stuff inside of what we eat, but it's still good, isn't it? And I'll tell you, just as there's no substitute for oil and brownies, there's no substitute for faith in the Christian life. You can do this and you can do that. Say, well, I fed the hungry. That's good. You say, well, I went and did this for this person. Hey, that's good. And oftentimes our works are a reflection of our faith. But understand, although they are a reflection of our faith, they're not a replacement of our faith, okay? You can't work yourself enough to make up for the faith that you've got to have to please God. Just as you can't work yourself enough to get into heaven and substitute that for faith, you can't please God without faith. And how do we know where we stand? Well, our faith is found out because it's established by God. But then keep reading in verse 1. I want to show you the second thing. The Bible says there was a man. His name was Job. And that man was. God says this is who he is. Let me tell you who he is. God knows. He was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. So here's what's interesting. The first thing that helps us find out our faith, it's really the eyes of God. God's the one who sees that. We can't see in each other's hearts. God can, though. But the second one becomes a little bit more visible. Notice his faith is now beginning to show up in his life. So how do you know? That's the second thing. Notice his faith was evident in his life. His faith was evident in his life. The Bible says that he was perfect or complete you see, that faith that was in his heart and in his life is now coming out in his life. Sooner or later, your faith and what you have faith in, it's going to show up. You know, as far as I know, when you came in here and sat down this morning, none of you climbed underneath the chair to make sure all the screws were tight. Uh, none of you climbed under here to make sure all the bolts were tight. And it was, none of you kind of checked it out. I mean, some of you just come in and you plop down right there in that chair. And thank God for good American-made chairs. Amen? All right? You didn't check it. You know what you did? You just put your faith in it. Right? I could see your faith because you just came in and sat down. You didn't even hesitate. You have faith in that chair. Can I tell you that faith in your life's the same way? It's going to be evident. Your faith is going to show up in your life sooner or later. And can I tell you, life has a way of trying your faith, especially the last seven months. Uh, I mean, look, if it's real, you're gonna be, it's going to hold you up. If it ain't real, it's going to burn away. In the last few months, I believe, could show us that. I read about gold the other day, an interesting thing about how gold is tested to find out whether gold's real. Used to, you had to go through this long process of, uh, of all this science to figure out what gold was real and what grade of gold it was. Uh, but they found a simple way to do that. They'll take a piece of slate, a black piece of slate, they'll take that gold or the piece of gold, whatever it is, and they'll slide it across it, and it'll leave a mark on that. And then what they'll do is they'll take some nitric and hydrochloric acid. 
And they'll take the nitric acid and the hydrochloric acid and they'll drop it on the gold or that little stripe of gold that's there. If it disappears or dissolves, it's evident that it was not real gold. If that little gold stripe remains after the hydrochloric and the nitric acid is dropped on it, it means that it was real. It remained. Why? Because it's called an acid test. All right? That's how you find out if it's real or not. You know, all of us claim to have some level of faith. I'm sure all of us do. Maybe your faith's not what it should be, but all of us, I'm sure, have a measure of faith in God this morning. But can I tell you how you're going to find out exactly what kind of faith you got? It's when you get tested. And oh, how life gives us these acid tests. That's why James 2, the Bible says, faith without works is dead. You know what he's saying? It's going to show up. It's going to show up. You can't just claim and profess faith in your life. Sooner or later, your life is going to have a possession of faith. Sooner or later, it's going to show up. We can only lie about it and pretend about it for so long. And one of the best ways for it to show up is when we go through those acid tests of life. Remember, works are are not faith, but faith uh, is reflected in our works. Now, let me show you how it showed up in Job's life. Let's let's look at verse 1 again. The Bible says he was perfect. He was perfect. Now, we know this does not mean without sin, okay? Don't go home and say, man, that preacher was preaching heresy because there's nobody perfect. No, he's not talking about being without sin. What the word perfect means in the Word of God is full-grown or mature. It means Job was complete in his life. Now, here's what I want you to think about this morning. Job had all the necessary components for who God required him to be. Job was who he needed to be before God. Now, think about that. I was talking to Brother Richard, uh, too, earlier. I think he's on security out there this morning. Now, I asked him if I could use this illustration. He said yes. I had lunch at his house yesterday. My family had lunch with his family. And he says, have you ever seen my, uh, my superhero collection of uh, it's Star Wars? And I think it's a uh, Superman collection of action figures and whatnot. I said, no, I've never seen it. He says, come out to the man cave and I'll show it to you. You know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking he's a guy like me who has a few things in a box somewhere just thrown in. And you're waiting for the Antiques Roadshow to, to come in town, you know. That's what I got mine for. And I go out there. And my goodness, he's one of the most organized men I've ever seen. He's got, man, he's got shelves and pegboards, and it's just row after row of thousands upon thousands of characters in the box. Now, look, if, if his house and his shop gets robbed in the next week, I'm going to know it was somebody here, all right? I asked him for permission, so please don't, uh, don't betray me, okay? And we went through there. I says, where did you get all these? Did you just like buy somebody out at a flea market or something? He says, no. I mean, for the past 30 years, he's been buying one at a time, one at a time, one at a time. And after a while, he has a full collection of Star Wars and Superman. I mean, it is an impressive collection of things that he has there. He'll sell them all to you right now for a million dollars, all right? Anybody got a million dollars? I'm sure he'd sell it to you if you'd like to have it. But here's what is, what's interesting. I thought about the life of Job. And I thought about how God says he was complete or he was perfect. That means he had all the necessary components. Can I tell you, Job did not become a complete Christian overnight. Just like that collection, you get piece after piece after piece, and after a while you've collected all those pieces or you've grown to the place where you are a complete Christian before God. Can I tell you this morning, Job is showing, watch this, his faith through his growth. Job is a complete Christian. Job is perfect. Job is mature. Job is fully grown. He did not get that way overnight. But Job has grown little by little to become who God would have him to be. And can I tell you this morning, there's no difference in us. Let me tell you one of the ways your faith is going to show up. It's going to show up in your growth. I hate to say it, but I believe most Christians today are incomplete Christians. 
We don't care enough to go find those missing pieces in our life that we need to have. What does 2 Peter tell us? Give all diligence to what? Add to your faith. Add to your faith. And then he gives us a grocery list. I mean, look, I know patience is in there. That's one piece I don't go looking for. I quit praying for patience. Because I get behind some of you on the slow lane, going slow in the fast lane. And the Lord is like, remember, you asked for it. You asked for it. Look, we're to add to our faith. Why? So that we might be complete. And yet this morning, I believe our growth or lack thereof, it's telling on us. And it's telling that our faith is not what it needs to be. Notice the next word. The Bible says he was perfect and upright. He was upright. Now, you think about that word upright. You know, I'm standing upright here this morning. I am standing on my feet upright. Job stood for what was right, okay? That's what uprightness is. And I thought about this on the way here today. What gets you on your feet? What gets you on your feet? What do you stand up about? What do you get excited about? Can I tell you, watch this. Your faith is going to be reflected in what gets you on your feet. What gets you standing up, what riles you up and stirs you is ultimately going to show you where your faith is at. Remember the age of watching a football game yesterday? I haven't watched one all year long. We watched a college game yesterday, and man, it was going back and forth and back and forth, and I believe your team won, right? Amen? My team didn't play yet, but I'm sure they're going to win. Uh, But man, our team's playing, and they jump up on your feet, boy, and you're getting all riled up. You see, you can show where your passion's at. Why? Because it got you up on your feet. Can I ask you this morning, what gets you up on your feet? What are you upright about? Hey, what riles you up? Remember when the Apostle Paul was at Athens, the Bible says he was waiting and he saw the city, the Bible says, wholly given to idolatry. He looked out and he saw the city of Athens. Brother Nate showed us pictures the other night. Just unbelievable place that Paul was there. And he looks across this city, wholly given to idolatry. The Bible says his spirit was stirred in him. And watch this. He couldn't sit idly by. You know what he did? The Bible says he got up, and he went, and he disputed with them in the synagogues. It got him on his feet. Can I tell you, your faith will be found out in what you stand for. You can tell where your faith's at by the things you're willing to stand for. The Bible says he was perfect, and the Bible says he was upright. But then it says he feared God. He feared God. Now, this does not mean that Job walked around scared God was going to zap him with a lightning bolt. Sometimes I think we get our Greek mythology in the Bible kind of crossed back and forth. God's not Zeus. We got that, right? All right. Just making sure. Some folks are like, what? Some of you have learned something today in church. Amen. As long as you go home learning something, I'm happy about that. The Bible says Job feared God. It means this. It means Job held God in his rightful place in his life. All right? God held that top elevated position in Job's life as he should. That's fear or reverence. He put God where he belongs in his life. What does that mean? Watch close. Job's faith is showing up in his priorities. Can I tell you, you can find where your faith is at just by watching what you make a priority and by what you put ahead of God. The Bible says Job feared God. Job's faith is showing up by where he places God in his life. I'm going to tell you, there's no better way for people to know what kind of faith you have than to see where God ranks on your top five list. Whether God ranks above your job, God ranks above your kids, or maybe we put the kids ahead of God, or maybe we put our job ahead of God. Look, sooner or later, your faith is going to be found out. As we found out in your priorities, you're going to see it. Some of us fear our job more than we fear our God. Some of us fear our kids, unfortunately, more than we fear our God. Job had God right where he belonged. He said, God gets the top spot, 
And you can see his faith simply by his priorities. Keep reading. The Bible says that not only did he fear God, but he eschewed evil. Now, this is interesting. We see at the beginning he's upright. All right? That's what he stood for. But now the Bible says he's eschewing evil. Do you know what that is? That's what he stood against. That's what he stood against. Now, but let me tell you, the water, water gets deep here. I'm not deep, but the water gets deep. We love talking about the things we stand for. Boy, this week we gathered our young people out at the flagpole on September 11th, and uh, we said the Pledge of Allegiance together. We read the Word of God together, and we prayed for our nation. We prayed for the families of 9-11. And uh, I get excited about my country. I love my country. I love the fact that God let me be born in the greatest country on the face of the earth, the United States of America. I'm thankful for that. And I get excited about that. And I stand for America. And mothers are all kind of, I stand for my family. And we love talking about the things we stand for. Nothing wrong with that. But can I tell you, sooner or later, if you stand for something, it means you're going to have to stand against something. That's what we don't like to talk about. All right? One of the best ways to see where your faith starts showing up is when your faith is enough that you're willing to stand against something. You've got to be willing to stand against something from time to time. Look, we can, we can, I stand for the Bible, and I stand for the church, and I stand for the family. That is great. That is great, all right? But sooner or later, listen, your faith is going to show up in the things you stand against. And as tough as it is to get labeled intolerant, if God stands against it and you want to stand with God, you've got to stand against it, all right? If you want to be standing with God, you're going to have to stand against the things he stands against regardless of what you get labeled, all right? I don't like getting labeled. But in the end, I'd rather get labeled standing with God than against God. So notice his faith showed up. It was evident in what he stood for, and it was evident in what he stood against. We could go down through a whole list. We don't have the time this morning. But I went through Job chapter 1, chapter, just Job chapter 1, chapter 2 yesterday. Looking at all the places Job's faith made an appearance. I want you to think about this. Job lost his children. Job lost his property. Job lost his friends. Job lost his wife. Loss after loss after loss after loss. And what did Job say in verse 21? Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Can I tell you one of the toughest places to let your faith shine through? It's in the area of loss. In the area of loss. If your faith will get you through a loss, oh, can I tell you, it shines so much brighter. Because usually those are the things that do us in when we suffer loss. This morning, Miss Nettie Hayden sat right over here. She buried her, her beloved husband of 66 years this week. And yet this morning she found her way to the house of God. Opened up the word of God. Fellowship with the people of God. I told her from the pulpit this morning in the 9 o'clock service. I said, your faith has encouraged me. Her faith is shining through in the midst of her loss. I cannot imagine being married 66 years. I'm not even 66 years old. My dad's not even 66 years old. They were married 66 years. And she said, I was standing by the casket when she walked up and kissed him on the cheek. And she says, I'll see you later. I'm standing back there watching. Here's a lady going through loss. Oh, how easy it would be to be bitter. How easy it would be to have a bad attitude. And yet, her faith shined through. It showed up. It showed up so much, I could see it. I saw it this morning. 
Job's faith showed up in his life. It was evident. Why? Because a time of loss. We see it in all that he suffered. You know, some of you have health problems this morning. Some of you have family problems this morning. Some of you are dealing with contention in your home. Some of you might be dealing with contention at work. And you got all these problems, and yet you just keep plugging on, keep being faithful for God. Can I tell you, your faith is showing up in your long suffering. Job's faith showed up in his long suffering. It was evident in his life. And look, you want to find out where your faith's at? Suffer loss. It's going to show you quick. You want to find out where your faith is at? Go through an extended season. I've told you many times, the last seven months have showed me my faith, and it's not been exactly what I thought it was. Because let me tell you, long-suffering is going to make you or break you. And the only thing that will get you the victory is your faith. We could go on and on, but I'll give you this before I give you the last point. In Matthew chapter 9, we have the lady who had suffered all those years with the issue of blood. The Bible says that she saw Jesus coming through the crowd and and said, I've got to get to him and touch the hem of his garment. Now, I want you to know, look, I don't know that that thought would have ever entered my mind. I don't know that I would have enough faith to think if I could just touch his garment that I would be healed. But buddy, she did. She makes her way through the crowd. I kind of picture like a linebacker making her way through the crowd, pushing people out of the way in a nice godly way. But trying to get to Christ. Why? She needed to be healed. And she gets over there and she touches his garment. And Jesus, immediately sensing that virtue had gone out of him, turns and looks at her. And what did he tell her in the end? Thy faith hath made thee whole. He said, look, it's your faith. That's what got you through. It's your faith that gave you the victory over this. And folks, can I tell you this morning, you may be here and you're suffering today. And you've suffered just like she has for years and years with something. Maybe it's physical. Maybe this morning it's emotional. Maybe matters of the heart. I don't know. But I'll tell you what will get you through. Faith. Thy faith hath made thee. And faith is what made Job. And we see his faith shining through. It's very evident in his life. The last thing I want to give you before we close this morning, I want you to turn back uh, to the book of James. The book of James. I'll give you this, and we're going to close. James chapter 5, I want you to look down to verse number 7. We're going to read 7 through 11. And I want to encourage you to mark these and remember these verses. Oh, how they'll be an encouragement to you. James chapter number 5, we're looking down and we're seeing in verse number 7, it's speaking of the second coming of Christ. The Bible says in James chapter 5, verse 7, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, a husbandman waited for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he received the early and latter rain. Be also patient. Notice that word again mentioned twice in two verses. Establish your hearts. That means settle or ground them. For the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, and of, of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Now watch verse 11. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord. That the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. Now notice who God is referencing here. He's reaching all the way back into the Old Testament. And he says, you remember Job? The patience of Job. What's another word for patience? Faith. What is faith when I'm waiting on God? Patience is waiting on God. He says, remember Job? Remember Job? 
He said, listen, when you get there toward the end, it's going to get rough. It's going to get rocky. He says, but use patience in verse number seven. Use patience in verse number eight. And he says, hey, remember Job and remember the end of the Lord. Remember what I did for Job. Remember how I brought Job through? And he says, look what his faith did. Number three, I want you to notice what his faith is doing here. Number three, his faith had an effect on others. His faith had an effect on others. Man, it convicted me this morning when I thought about how God referenced another Christian and said, look at his faith and look what I did for him. And I'll do that for you. And I wondered this morning, do I have the type of faith that God could whisper into someone's heart, look at the faith of Brother Andrews. Look what I did for him. And what I did for him, I'll do for you. I wonder if I have that type of faith, or I wonder this morning if I have a faith that has done the opposite. I wonder if my lack of faith in time of adversity and difficulty has been something where God's like, don't pay attention to him. Don't look at him. He's not an example because my faith will give you the victory just as I did Job. Remember Job? And remember the end of the Lord. I'll tell you this morning, if there's anything our world needs to see right now, it's a faith that can affect them. Our world is looking for something to get through. There's people all over this world right now. They're trying to find answers for the troubles that we're facing in our world. And we've got the answer. The answer is faith. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And we sing about it. But do we have enough that people can look at our life like God says, look at Job's. And learn that God's going to do exactly what God says he's going to do. And we can trust him. That's what he's saying here for Job. There's a reason in Matthew 5. He says to let your light so shine before men. Let your light so shine before men. He says, listen, your faith needs to affect them. The Bible says that we don't put the candle under the bushel. But we flip the bushel over. And we put the candlestick on top of the bushel. And it gives light to who? Just you? No. It says it gives light to all that are in the room. You see, the light that you have should have an effect on others. And oh, if there were just a few Christians this morning who had enough faith in their God like Job did, that God could say, hey, look at them. Hey, they're going through a cancer diagnosis, and they got a great attitude. Hey, they just lost their spouse, and yet they came to church this week. Hey, they're going through this trial and trial and trial, and yet, look, I'm bringing them through, and I'll bring you through, but you got to have the same kind of faith. So I wonder this this morning. Could God point to your faith and say, see, it works. See, it works. Could God point to your home? Could God point to your life and your testimony and say, see, it works. Faith works. I hate to say it, but right now I think the church, the world, thinks the church is a joke. I really do. They think we're a joke. You know why? Because, man, we've talked about our faith for 200 years in this country. But it hadn't showed up. It hadn't showed up. You can't see it. He said, where do you see it? They can't see it in our uprightness. They can't see it in our patience. They can't see it in our fear of God, putting God where he belongs. Our fate's not showing up. Listen, why do we expect them to believe in something that we haven't showed them? Listen, the Christian faith today has almost become like the Bigfoot. I don't think it exists, okay? I'm going to go ahead and throw that out there. Some of you are very disappointed in me right now. What blows my mind is there's one show out there that's in their 14th season. I mean, how many years do they have to not find it before we realize it's really not out there? I think the producers of that show are sitting back laughing all the way to the bank. They're still watching. They're still watching. I think we heard something over there in the bushes. Yeah, it's probably a possum, probably a raccoon or something. All right? Heard something splash. That was a beaver. 
Beavers slap their tails, you know, and they keep looking and looking and looking for something that's not there. And here we are as the church. We've been talking about our faith for 200 years, and yet it's not showing up. It's not showing up in our growth. We're incomplete. It's not showing up in our fear of God because God's not on top. Our job, our kids, our hobbies are. It's not showing up. It's not showing up in our shewing of evil. We don't stand against anything. Why? Because we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. We'd rather them go to hell with their feelings intact than for us to have enough love to tell them the truth that only faith in Christ will do. It's the truth. Our faith is not showing up. I don't blame them for not listening to us anymore. But I'll tell you one way it could show up. It could show up and it can affect others if we just used it ourselves. Job says, my faith is not just a talking point. My faith is something I rely on. And that faith and that patience of Job serves as a testimony that affects others to this day. Can I ask you something? Do you have enough faith to affect somebody else? Can somebody look at your life right now and say, you know what? I don't know what they got, but I want it. Because I'm struggling, I know they were struggling, and yet they're making it through, and they got a song in their heart. Listen, they got a joy on their face. I want what they got. Do you have enough faith that people desire to have what you have? Maybe this morning our faith's not what we think it is. How do we know? Well, faith's going to show up because it's established by God. God knows where you're at. God knows where I'm at. He knew where Job was at. He said, let me tell you who he is. Can I ask you this? Would you have enough courage today? In just a second, we bow our head and close our eyes. To pray to an almighty God and say, show me where I'm at. Show me where I'm at. I promise you, you don't want to stand before him one day and wait till then to realize where you're at. You may not like where you find out, but look, at least you got time to make a change. But then understand this. Can you look at your own life? Can we, look, can we be honest with each other? You know, I know the, the dryer did not shrink my pants. All right, I'm just joking. I know, listen, I know it was not the humidity. I know it's the fact that I'm getting fat. I just, it's the fact. Can I tell you this morning, if we're not honest with ourselves about our faith, we're not going to get very far. Is your faith showing up in your growth? How much, how complete are you? How complete are you? Is it showing up in your fear or your prioritization of God in your life? It should show up there. God's got to have his rightful spot. Is it showing up in your uprightness? What are you standing for? What are you standing for? What do you get riled up and stirred about? Look, that's going to show you your faith. And then what do you stand against? Our faith has got to affect others in this world this morning. That's the only hope is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And how can we expect them to have it if we say we do, but we never see it? Let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed just for a few minutes.